0: Hello and welcome to the Yay Yoga podcast. I'm Renée Liu, you may know me as a yoga teacher, and today I'm the host of this podcast where I talk to the most inspiring teachers from around the world about their yoga journey. Today I'm talking to Daphne Koken. She's a prana teacher who inspires me a lot and also showed me the beauty of this practice. I was lucky to have the opportunity to study and practice with her and I'm so excited to share this conversation with you. Besides Prana Vinyasa, we talk about the importance of teaching from the traditions of yoga, how to connect with the cycles of nature, how knowing your own body doesn't always mean you know what works for your students, and much, much more. All important stuff will be in the show notes on my website, yayoga.nl. Welcome, Daphne, on the show. It's um, As we are recording this, it's the 25th of June, 2010-20. And we're both in Amsterdam, we're slowly coming out of a very mild version of a lockdown. Um, And at the same time, we're entering another interesting time with the Black Lives Matter demonstrations. Um, Without getting too deep into the current situation, how are you feeling today? And how did you experience these times or how are you experiencing these times?
1: Well, I'm feeling good, <laughs> so thank you, and thank you for inviting me. And uh, yes, it has been a challenging uh, period of time, the last few months, lots uh, going on, and I think it was a time that was inviting us to um, to reconnect with our values and also with our own truth um, in order to also um, go with the flow of what is happening and at the same time to stick with what we think is right. Because of course, um, in a lockdown, I think a lot of people were very aware that it was needed to uh, uh, sacrifice a little bit of freedom uh, for, the, for the greater cause, which is beautiful. Uh, but then the follow up of, of, of it all and all the decisions being made by the government, uh, they also invite you to, uh, to reconsider like, okay, what, what is right for me, what isn't? And I think that's where we're in now in this situation. So um, yeah, it's, it's all about truth for me, I think. And it's about uh, reconnecting with your own truth without uh, disrespecting others. So yeah, and that's a, that's a challenge, I think.
0: Yeah, it's beautiful, it definitely is. Um, what is, uh, how do you see your role as a teacher in these times?
1: Uh, specifically in these times, um, Well, I don't think I don't know if my role has become different. Uh, Maybe there's more emphasis uh, to the current situation, of course. Um, But I think I um, I stick to my own role as it was before. I think, and that is um, how I see my role as a teacher is to invite people to um, connect with their own flow, with their own energy and um, to be curious and to stay curious in life, um, practicing that on the mat in the moment, and then also taking that off the mat into daily life. And um, I think that role of basically maybe a challenger of of freedom and a challenger of flow, um, maybe that's very applicable at this moment and it's very useful at this moment, because that is also what people probably need at the moment at least from my point of view.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. Um, Um, Let's dive dive into our conversation a little deeper. My first question, and I'm asking all the guests on the show, what is yoga to you?
1: you? Yeah, that's a a deep question (laughs) now. That's a big question. Um, Well, for me, yoga is really, um, it's a way of life. And it's also a guidance through life. Uh, It is a way to become more and more conscious of yourself, to become more and more aware of um, who you are and also what your relationship is to others and how um, actually to become a better person. So that is what yoga is for me. Yoga is a a way to become a nicer person, a better person and, um, yeah, to be... A good servant of prana in the world
0: <laughs> yeah you're already mentioning prana um, we will talk about that way more later on um, in our conversation um, but just for people that don't know you can you tell a bit about yourself and explain how yoga entered uh, into your life
1: Um, Well, I'm a vinyasa teacher, and um, I'm saying that specifically because that is, um, I would say, the style of yoga, but it's more like a whole um, also way of living. Vinyasa is is basically connecting with the cycles of nature, is connecting with the rhythm of life, and um, that is basically the direction within yoga I have chosen to practice, because um, for me in vinyasa yoga, everything is there. There's the uh, the more active path and there's a more, more gentler path um, so I chose to practice that um, and I also chose to teach that um, so for me the Vinyasa Yoga system is really my way of living, of connecting with, uh, with the cycles of life, with nature and that is what I like to share so I'm a teacher I'm a Vinyasa teacher and also I'm a teacher trainer so I also guide people into becoming a Vinyasa teacher
0: And how did yoga um, come into your life?
1: Um, Well, it came into my life in my early 20s um, when I was a marketeer and I was actually just starting a career as a marketeer. And I did a lot of um, active things. You know, I was very uh, sporty and I had a very social life um, and I... At some point, I did feel um, that I needed something also to, to counterbalance that. And I started to go to yoga classes on uh, Thursday nights. Uh, and this was um, in a town where I lived, Eindhoven. And it was with a with an older lady at her home um, in our living room. And it was Hatha Yoga. And um, somehow, I, I was always rushing towards that class. And then she would start with Shavasana lying down. And I was like why are we doing this? Why are we not doing something? So there was always this resistance because I wanted to do stuff. Uh, but leaving the place, I was always feeling more at peace. So that's how I uh, rolled into yoga as a practitioner. And um, it was when I, rem- when I moved to uh, Amsterdam that I started to do the more active um, uh, styles of yoga, Ashtanga yoga I started with when I was in Amsterdam, which at the time was really maybe more connecting with what I needed or what I thought I needed at the time. Um, and from there, I also rolled into teacher training program. Where was that? And that was, that was in Amsterdam. And at that time I was um, a lot spending a lot of time in uh, France in the mountains. And I really wanted to practice there as well, but it took me like 45 minutes to get to a studio there. So that's why I um, decided to do a teacher training program, not so much to become a teacher, but to gain more understanding of yoga, of uh, the physical aspects, uh, the anatomy, the poses, because I felt a bit uncomfortable to do it on my own at home, Um, but also to gain more understanding uh, of the mind and of the philosophy of yoga, because I, I was already interested in that. And that's why I chose to do a teacher training program, and I did that in Amsterdam. And that was a a Stanga-based training. So that was my first encounter with uh, becoming a teacher.
0: Wow. And um, I want to go back to um, your first yoga class in Eindhoven in this lady's living room, Um, because I think it's very interesting that you mentioned um, you didn't like laying down in Shavasana, but somehow you kept on coming back. Can you explain what, do, or maybe you still don't know, but I think you may have an idea of what made you come back, even though it felt a bit uncomfortable for you?
1: It, it was the, the outcome of the practice. So I, I always felt a little bit of resistance I even thought, oh, well, that's easy. You know, just put people in, in on their backs and then have a cup of tea. You know, that was a little bit my mind going on. Like, what what is this? Because it was new to me. Um, but it was a very lovely lady, and she was guiding us in a very nice way. And I always got out of the practice uh, feeling more peaceful and feeling more <sighs> like that. And uh, that's what made me come back. So it's, it was actually the... Um, yeah, the the result of the practice, the feeling after the practice. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's obviously what it's all about in the end. Um, also, after your first teacher training, because I think a lot of people recognize your story. They want to know more about yoga. They do a teacher training, not specifically with the intention to become a teacher. How did you feel about that when you completed your teacher training? Did you want to become a teacher afterwards or were you still not thinking about that? Or?
1: Well, I, I did develop uh, joy in practicing teaching because, of course, during the teacher training, we had to practice teaching. And uh, I also started like a very small group at the studio where I was doing the training. Um, so I had my first people coming to, to my classes and I really enjoyed it. Um, so yes, I I was interested in it. Um, but I think up until the end, I didn't really uh, know what I was going to do with it, except from just, you know, integrating it in my own daily life. Um, but then actually the studio where I was doing the training and I will, where I was practicing, they started to ask me to also sub for classes. And that's how I actually rolled into it. And also the, the group I, Uh, build up during the training like um, the practice group they were like yeah you're not going to stop after your exam are you and I was like oh maybe not maybe we'll just continue and that's how I just rolled into it and I yeah I became more and more comfortable also in teaching and um, because it was very scary when my teacher asked me to start to sub classes of course Uh, and I think that um, beginning teachers recognize that often in the beginning you're being asked to sub for other teachers and that's quite challenging because you know sometimes you get there and it's last minute that you're subbing and people are looking at you like who are you and what are you coming to do here (laughs) and then you know that's a challenge I think of a beginning teacher but somehow I um, yeah I I felt joy in teaching and I developed and um, now I'm actually a full-time teacher so yeah And the thing is, I I did know at that time that I wanted to change careers because I had been a marketeer for a long time and I was doing all sorts of trainings. I did astrology and I did shiatsu therapy, um, several things, but somehow they all led to the same um, or actually they were serving the same purpose because I wanted to add value to other people's lives uh, and also to grow as a person. Um, so I was exploring different tools, so to say, in order to get there and also to change my, my life as a marketeer. Um, and then at some point I chose for yoga, because for me in yoga there is so much you can use to to guide people and also to guide yourself, of course, that I chose for yoga.
0: When did you... Two because obviously you, you, your first teacher training was an Ashtanga yoga um, training. When did you um, change or shift towards rinyasa?
1: Um Quite soon after the training, actually. Uh, what I loved about Ashtanga at the time was that it uh, gave a safe structure, like, okay, you know what you're doing, you know what's coming next. Um And I felt comfortable in that. But at the same time, I also felt that uh, I wanted more freedom in how to move my body and how to um, practice. Also, because the same practice every day is maybe not what you need every day. Um, So I started to, of course, also attend different classes. Like I attended vinyasa classes and, and other styles. Um, and after my first teacher training, I was like, okay, I just was scratching the surface. Now I want to go deeper, so I started to explore also different styles, also in workshops. And I did like shorter trainings, uh, also Yin Yoga teacher training. Um, I did a lot of Ayanga also in the beginning, which was of course very technical. Uh, Vijnana Yoga also, which is uh, deriving from Ayanga Yoga, um, and then at some point I actually met Simon Park. And he, at that time, was, of course, also a Prana teacher trainer. And um, somehow I read the description of his workshop and I was like, I'm not sure what is it what it is all about, but I have to go there. And then I went there and I was totally, like in heaven. <laughs> like, wow, this is amazing. And that's when I actually, and I asked him, where are you teaching more um, uh, in Europe? Because he's, of course, American. Um, and then uh, he told me, yeah, I have a training in uh, the Alps uh, this summer. So I went there. And then from there, I actually went into the Pranavinyasa Vinyasa um, yoga system. And uh, that's still basically my practice. Yeah.
0: Can you explain to us what exactly is prana vinyasa? And how or yeah, is that different from normal vinyasa?
1: Um, well, vinyasa is vinyasa. And as I mentioned before, um, vinyasa is, um, is all about connecting with nature. That's at least what vinyasa yoga is uh, about for me. And um, um, within that... Um, prana has a very important role. Um, And if you look at prana vinyasa, which is also a style of yoga, you could say it's a system of yoga that was developed by my teacher, Shiva Ray. So she has her um, own uh, structure in which she presents her system uh, with sequences, with namaskars, with techniques that uh, allow you to connect with the flow of prana um, in a very... uh, a very nice way in a very organized way so that is really something that is coming from her uh, but of course if you look at vinyasa and the vinyasa system um yeah that that is also a system that connects with the flow of life which is which is prana
0: yeah so you already mentioned that vinyasa is a lot about connecting with nature and from what i understand you get a lot of inspiration from nature I am very curious if you can explain to our listeners how you incorporate that in your classes. My, I guess my question is, how are the cycles of nature reflected in your classes and teachings?
1: Um, for me, uh, nature is my, my biggest inspiration in life and uh, I think many people can relate to that. Uh, Because when you are in nature and you find a silence in nature, something happens. And um, when you spend time in nature, um, you can allow your senses to open up really in the moment. And if you start to really open up your senses while you're in nature, you will notice that nature always has to tell you something. And um, somehow also when when I'm in my retreats, um, of course, I always sort of prepare the flow of the retreat. And nature is always with us <laughs> during the retreats. And that is that is so beautiful. So we can really learn from all the metaphors basically in nature. Um, so I do integrate that uh, into my regular classes as well, because unfortunately we cannot practice yoga outside all the time. <laughs> um, so we can also take those metaphors and those teachings of nature uh, onto our mountain and into into the studios, and that's what I'm doing naturally because that is also how I practice myself.
0: Yeah, And also, I think the cycles of the moon are really reflected in um, your classes, or at least in um, the teacher trainings that I followed. can you can you tell us a bit more about that?
1: Yes, of course. Um, well, basically, the cycles of the moon, um, are reflecting the same energies, the same phases as the cycles of, for example, um, um, the, the seasons and uh, the cycles of the day. So basically, they're all vinyasas, they're all cycles that we can relate to. And um, um, if we start to connect with those cycles, we can um, in every moment connect with the energy of that moment in nature and that can nourish us, that can really help us, that can support us in uh, our daily lives. And that is why I always uh, connect with those cycles. And it's, from one side, it is energy, and we are um, influenced by that energy, and some people might not have a connection with that, or they don't feel that, or they don't believe that, and that is, of course, fine too. Um, But you can also use it as, again, metaphors, and as archetypes, for example. And um, so it becomes um, uh, a guidance in your daily life to connect with those cycles. And for example, with the cycles of the moon. And of course, we have the cycles of the moon, the cycles of the Earth around the sun. Um, And in a way, they are similar energies. But basically, we have the same cycle and the same opportunities within the cycles in a month's time, not only in one year's time. So that's, that's the beauty of also working with the lunar cycles. And, of course, there's a slightly different energy when you look at the moon and when you look at the sun, of course. Yeah, the solar lunar energies. Yeah.
0: Do you also plan your uh, your schedule according to the moon cycles? Like I know that some people take about three days off and they completely do nothing uh, around the new moon and then around the full moon they have days, they work long days... Um, I mean, that that sounds maybe a bit extreme, but is that what you're working with as well?
1: Um, not that specifically. I wouldn't take a few days off or, you know, that's not as, as specifically as I, I'm, I'm planning because you have your, also your rhythms of teaching and, you know, I cannot say, okay, no, I'm not teaching because, but I actually try to uh, integrate it into my teachings Uh, But I do definitely um, connect with those moments. And to be honest, for example, a new moon, the day before new moon, I'm also I'm always tired. I'm always feeling like, you know, Um, so it's also um, uh, the connection with the rhythm that makes you slow down. On a new moon, for example, and then if you feel the energy grow again, your 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 system will start to be more creative again. You know, you feel the creati- creativity rising, and you know sometimes, and that is uh, connecting. Uh, actually, basically, I'm not planning but I'm just following the flow and then I find myself working until three o'clock in the morning because the energy is there and there's creativity and I don't mind because I just you know I just do that and then I know the next day I'm going to be tired but I just let that out so in that respect I do I'm not scheduling it ahead but I do follow the flow of the energy maybe I should start scheduling (laughs) maybe it's a good idea
0: (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah And um, I want to go back to um, Shiva Ray. I believe she is your uh, teacher. How did you get introduced to her and and what kind of role does she play in your life?
1: Um, well, I got to know her via that workshop with Simon uh, Park, which I mentioned before. And uh, so I asked him, what is your training about? And then he mentioned that um, it was a module um, uh, that was part of Shiva's training. So after going to the Alps with him, I uh, decided to go to Shiva in um, L.A. So I did uh, the first modules there. And then, yeah, I really felt that um, uh, that was the way to go. And um, she's a very uh, inspiring person. Um, she's really teaching from her heart and at the same time teaching from uh, tradition. And that is something I find very important and that is also something I uh, do in my teachings. Uh, I always refer back to, to yoga philosophy, to the teachings and uh, to have that connection with the roots of yoga. And that is something I learned uh, from her and that is something I find very important also. Um and also, yeah, the way she's uh, approaching life that was really uh, um yeah very inspiring to me, so that's why I decided to follow her whole training and I became her assistant also um, and also um, a teacher trainer. so yeah, why do you think it's
0: important to also incorporate the traditions of yoga
1: into teaching? um to keep it real? and to keep it yoga because um, I do think that we live in a very abundant time of also creativity and um, um, also blurring worlds uh, which is uh, a beautiful thing Um, but I think it's also good to know what certain traditions are and to also call them by their names and um, uh, yoga is a very, very rich and uh, I would say sacred um, tradition and to start mingling it with other traditions or creating things that are not really uh, coming from the roots of the system that would for me not be authentic. So I think uh, authenticity is very important uh, when you become a yoga teacher and also the connection with the roots. and. Within the tradition of yoga, there are already so many uh, varieties. It's like a big ocean uh, with different points of views also. And within that, it's it's actually already difficult to find your way there. So if you would start to blur it with um, something you come up with yourself or something you hear from a, another teacher and you take that into the system, then where does it go and where do we end up? Um, so I find it very... Important to to keep referring to the scriptures, and if you say something, um, refer to what's what the source is, and that is that is I think uh, keeping yoga real. And also because, um, and that is also the way I like to teach, is to never say okay this is what it is. I think curiosity and an open mind is the great great greatest asset of a yogi, yogini, and also of a teacher. So if someone tells me this is what it is, then I am always open to know why. And what is your reference? Where did you get the information? Did you experience it yourself? And how did you experience it yourself? And so I think that is very important. Yeah. Um, I want to go
0: to Your teaching style. Because I'm very interested to hear from you how you developed your teaching style, obviously first following an Ashtangi uh, teacher training, which is um, quite rigid and more um, strict than Vinyasa, and especially um, uh, I believe the teachings from Shiva Ray are different than Ashtanga teacher trainers, trainings, Um, and then you obviously are your own person. So I'm curious to hear how you developed your teaching style and maybe you can describe your own teaching style as well.
1: Yes. Um, Yeah, it's interesting what you're saying because that was also my um, uh, experience with Ashtanga, that it can be a rigid practice. Uh, It also depends, of course, on uh, where you're coming from and who your teacher is, because there's not only rigidness in that practice, of course. Um, And I think what drew me to Ashtanga was the structure, because that was something I was used to. That's the way I I was raised, with a lot of structure, a lot of safety, so to say. Um, But there's also a part of me that wants to be free. So I was looking for that freedom and within the vinyasa system I found both aspects both the structure and the system with the what you could say the um well the rules is maybe a big word but but you know the the principles of vinyasa guiding you in a safe way but within that have the freedom to find your own way to connect with prana and life energy in your own way so um that combination uh, I think gave me the opportunity to also be a more whole person and a whole teacher because two two aspects are there um, and I've, if I look at my style of course if you look I mean style what yoga style are you teaching that's definitely prana vinyasa yoga um, but the way I teach it is I think in a way that invites people to find their own rhythm and to find their own flow and of course, you are offering a, a sequence and a class, but I'm always interested in uh, um, offering it in a way that people feel the freedom and the space to find their own practice. Because that is, I think, what yoga is about, is to connect with yourself, with your own energy. And um, I think uh, as a teacher, I don't... F- I don't have the feeling that I'm teaching, but I'm actually sharing practice, and I'm giving the uh, the opportunity to practice, and that's all. And we're we're just servants of, of of other people basically, and I think that is also my style. I and of course I can also be challenging, you know, because I, I want to really sort of challenge people to to go deeper, to go deeper into their bodies, to go deeper into um, their own minds also mentally go deeper. Um, but also with a smile. Yeah. I, you know, I think uh, yoga is a serious practice, but we shouldn't take ourselves too seriously. And I think that is also important to have a little bit of fun, you know, when you're going through your sequences and when you're practicing together. So yeah, there's the seriousness, there's the openness and there's the fun. I think those are three aspects that I find very important in teaching.
0: I'm very curious about your self-practice. What does it look like?
1: <laughs> uh, it looks uh, different every day. <laughs> yeah. Now, um, um, Well, I think that, and, and you know that, because <laughs> I say it always, is I think that self-practice is, is the, the, the foundation of, uh, of being a teacher. Um, because it's all about your own experience and it's about your own embodiment. Of the teachings um, and of the practice, um, so yeah, it's it's important to practice, but it's also very important to practice in a way that it benefits you in your life, and uh, this is something that has changed over the over the, over time and over the years, because um, when I was practicing Ashtanga and when when I was in my first teacher training, um, I really felt that I needed to practice two and a half hours per day. And I needed to do a strong practice because otherwise I wouldn't be a good teacher. And um, if I look at my uh, practice now, I'm much more gentle towards myself. Uh, I'm practicing a lot of uh, gentle vinyasa yoga. Um, I think my practice also became more uh, uh, focused inward. So I'm not so much busy with poses, I'm busy with um, uh, the flow of prana in my body and uh, with the curiosity to find what is it telling me at this moment. Um, so I, my practice is not about uh, practicing asanas, uh, but it's more about nourishing my body I'm nourishing my, myself and my energy. And sometimes nourishing the energy means that you need a little bit of a kick up your, uh, your bottom. <laughs> so sometimes the practice is stronger and sometimes the practice is more gentle. So yeah, it varies. I do not have like a system like, okay, today I practice this and then I practice that. So I just go to my mat and then the practice happens.
0: And um, does that involve pranayama, meditation... Besides the asana, or does that change every day?
1: Um, well, I include meditation always in my practice. I always start with meditation and I always close with a meditation. Um, pranayama, that changes. Um, I have periods of time that I'm really focused on pranayama and that it's really, you know, that I need it, and there's times that it it, it isn't in my practice. So that is actually something That is not a steady part of uh, the daily practice.
0: Which sounds interesting to me because when we're talking about prana vinyasa, I always thought, oh, then we must do like some kind of breathing exercise to make it, to make the prana flow.
1: Well, I mean, there's always the ujjayi breath, of course. So in that respect, mm-hmm. there's always pranayama mm-hmm. in your practice. Um, I thought you were re- referring to like Nadi and, and, and the pranayama techniques you can do next to the asana. Uh, but of course, the breathing is, is the foundation of, of your practice. So in that respect, you're always doing pranayama, of yeah. course. Yeah. yeah.
0: Mm. Um, I think also what you're talking about in your self-practice is self-care. Um, knowing what you need that day and um, sometimes it's a it's a, an extra push an extra challenge sometimes the challenge is slowing down did you always have that um, in your own practice that you always know what you need that day or how did that evolve over the years?
1: well it's it's it is also a practice and a challenge because sometimes you think you know what you need, but it's the opposite from what you need and um, you know sometimes um, you're so tired and you're like oh i, I, I don't even want to, I don't even want to get to my mat and then when you lie on your mat and you just sometimes I just lie on shavasana, for example, when I've been very busy teaching a lot, very uh, active then you just arrive on your mat and you're like, I'm not going to do anything. But then if you're patient, then suddenly, and you start to breathe and you start to gently move, then the energy starts to move. And then it's like, oh, I actually do need something more. And I do need movement. So I think it's, um, it has to do with um, giving time and space and not rushing into your practice. I think that is the key to... Um, yeah to practice from that place of awareness, basically
0: I wanna know what you think makes a great teacher
1: <laughs> um, I think a great teacher is a teacher um who's teaches from who is teaching from the heart and from inspiration um and so basically an authentic person. Um, and I think it's, it can be a challenge, especially when you're starting teaching. Um, but I think if you trust yourself and if you trust your own heart and your inspiration, you will always be a good teacher because you will be teaching uh, from an honest place. So honesty is very important. Um, and of course, uh, practice is very important. So it's in the practice that you uh, gain experience, and it's from experience that you can share. So learning from books or learning from videos or from watching only and not embodying it, that's not going to make you um, a very good teacher, probably. Uh, because where is it coming from then? Where's your where are your roots then? So yeah. And
0: what um, I also what I'm also interested in is finding um because you're talking about embodiment right and i think that's very important like doing it yourself knowing how you feel when when you go through a certain flow or whatever Um, but then your body is not someone else's body right and some things that feel good for you might not work for someone else how do you um yeah how do you work with that
1: Well, basically, you need training. (laughs) You need, uh, of course, the knowledge of the body through anatomy studies. So, of course, you need to study and um, it's also good to observe. And for example, if you have an injury, injuries are your best friends. Because, you know, it's very easy if you have a supple body and no restrictions in your body um, uh, to do a practice, but then to teach and to know what another person might experience, that's something else. And that indeed is also making a good teacher, is a teacher who can observe and who can be, again, the word curious enough to figure out what is best for that person. And... um, Um, you don't know, always. Sometimes you really have to go on a little journey with a person, like, okay, try this. How does this work for you? But the more you practice yourself, the more you will have felt in your body, like, okay, try this, because for me that worked. Or I've observed with another people that it's more comfortable like that. So I think indeed the study of anatomy, the study of asana techniques, uh, the study of prana, how does prana move in the body, uh, of course, that's also very um, uh, important to, to have a good foundation, to be able to guide people. And it's, of course, it's actually good that you're mentioning this because it's not only your own experience. It's also uh, the observation and the study. Yeah.
0: Which teacher inspires you the most?
1: Um, well, of course, Shiva Ray is a very um, important teacher, teacher in my life. Um, and also Florence de Um She's a Vijnana teacher, a Canadian woman, lovely woman. And um, in the last few years, I've been practicing with her a lot as well. And although it's a totally different style of yoga, um, I can really feel her connection also with prana. And uh, it's a very internal practice. And I think in the last few years, she has been really giving me a lot of inspiration in going deeper and in really going into um a more connected practice from within. In a different way um, than I have received from Shiva. Because she's also, of course, about going in going inward. Uh, but yeah, different different approaches and both very valuable. Yeah. Good.
0: I think we're almost at the end of our conversation and I have some rapid fire questions for you. First thing that comes into mind is probably the best answer. What is the best advice someone ever gave to you?
1: Um, Listen more and be patient. Good. What advice
0: do you have for all starting yoga teachers that are listening to the podcast right now?
1: Um, Practice. (laughs) Do your practice and uh, also have a lot of fun teaching and stay curious can i only give one answer or can i give multiple answers
0: <laughs> multiple answers is good
1: <laughs> i think stay curious is the best advice i could give give beginning teachers yeah don't think after 200 hours oh yes now i know everything because there's so much to explore Yep.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yes there is which book should be on everyone's bookshelf and it doesn't have to be a yoga related book but it can be
1: Mm. well what i find a really valuable book and i thought it wasn't a yoga book because it's a management book it's the book of stephen goffey and it's the um uh, uh seven habits of highly effective people and um i got that book from my first manager when i was like 22 and um I always kept that book in mind. Still, the seven habits of highly effective people, they're in the back of my mind. Um, and then a few years ago, I um, was in a train station and I missed my train. And then I found this little, I went into the bookshop and I was this, um, uh, it's called the Kleine Kofi. So it's like a, uh, like a summary of the seven habits. And I read it in like the two hour journey that I was doing. And I was like, this guy was a yogi. So it is a management book, but it's most definitely also a yoga book.
0: I already asked you which teacher inspires you the most. But this question is a bit different. Who or what inspires you the most?
1: Um, I think that's nature and um, and animals, um, especially cats. They inspire me because I really have so much respect for cats because they... They really follow their own flows. They're not being disturbed. Uh, they're very strong and they're very flexible. So for me, they're the perfect example of, um, of real, true yogis. <laughs>
0: mm, what are you most grateful for today?
1: Today? Ooh, well, I think um, for my dog that he's here with me on this hot day. And uh, he's always there. And he's, he's my, big, my biggest friend. Yes.
0: <laughs> Who do you think I should speak to next?
1: Mm, um, I think you should be talking to Shors, Shors Langenberg. Um, he's um, also a teacher trainer in uh, meditation and mindfulness and pranayama. And I think that would be very interesting to speak with him.
0: Cool. I will ask you his details later (laughs) yes (laughs) all right that was that was it that were the rapid fire questions i want to thank you so much for all your inspiring words and sharing your story if people want to know what you're up to and they want to know more about you what's the best way how can they learn from you is that your instagram or
1: yeah, yeah, you can find me on Instagram. And my name is Yogini on Instagram. Uh, and I also have my website, which is Um So, yeah, all my stuff is on there. And um, I also want to thank you for inviting me. I was um, very happy to speak to you and to share with you. Yay.
0: Thank you for this conversation. We will put all the recommendations, the books and um your instagram details in the show notes as well so people can follow that
1: yeah thank you again all right thank you so much (laughs) namaste
0: and that's it for today's episode Thank you so much for listening You can find the show notes at yeayoga.nl/podcast. And if you like this show please show your support by hitting that subscribe button in your podcast app Give us a high rating and share this episode with someone who might be interested as well You can also follow me on Instagram at reneelieu That's R-E-N-E-E-L E-E-U-W I'd love to connect with you Namaste.